What up, guys? Your boy Quake back with a brand new episode of the Diverse Mentality Podcast, number 248. Right when I got done with the last podcast, I already saw some wild things on the internet, news related, and I was like, damn, right when I finish it. It wasn't the night that I finished it, but the morning of, and then I responded to it on social media. So I need to um, get back to the schedule of recording things immediately sometimes when some crazy news happens. So I will get back on that. I've uh, just been working on this documentary and uh, my video editor for the podcast has been traveling as well. So it's kind of been a little tough to get things in and edit them immediately and stuff like that. But I wanted to immediately jump on this and I'm going to be talking about it towards the end. You guys already know what I'm excited. I, I get excited these type of topics to talk about because it's just interesting, man. And it's funny. And to be honest with you, it's entertaining. So uh, a lot of different things though that, that are crazy that I want to talk about. So Young Thug, let's get an update on the Young Thug YSL Rico trial. And it's been delayed. It's been delayed, and here's why. Somebody, unfortunately or fortunately, I don't know, um, depending on how you look at it, ended up getting stabbed while in jail. So let's go over the article. Uh, Young Thug's YSL Rico trial has been delayed delayed after one of his co-defendants was stabbed while in jail. On Tuesday, December 12th, court reporter Megan Kniff confirmed on Tuesday, December 12th, that the trial has been put on hold until January 2nd, 2024. So the rest of this year, it's done, finished. While the defendant, Shannon Stillwell recovers from the attack. Young Thug's Rico trial is still on hold until January 2nd, she wrote on social media. This after his co-defendant, Shannon Stillwell, was stabbed in a jail. Uh, Judge Glenn, Glennville told the jury yesterday there was a medical issue today. He told them, unfortunately, that medical issue still exists. The Fulton County Sheriff's Office says Stillwell was stabbed by inmate Willie Brown who's been in jail without bond for almost three and a half years, Knuff added. That's interesting. So I wonder what this has to do with anything with YFN Lucci and his YFN gang. Uh, just after the court proceedings began on Monday, Judge Ural Glanville announced that there had been a medical issue uh, and the trial was done for the day. He ordered everyone back at 9 a.m. the following day. Not long afterwards, the Fulton County Sheriff's Office Department confirmed to Fox 5 Atlanta that Shannon Stillwell had been stabbed at some point over the weekend. He has reportedly been hospitalized. His attorney, Max Shart, gave a statement to WSB-TV reporter Michael Sheedon that said, Our first concern is Shannon's health, and we hope to speak to him shortly. I will provide any, I will provide any more additional details when appropriate. Thank you. Stillwell, who was arrested alongside Young Thug and 27 others in May 2022, was previously stabbed in July of 2022, according to Jill. Jeez, this guy is getting stabbed every year, it seems like, in there. Uh, he faces several charges, including murder, aggravated assault with a deadly weapon, and possession of a firearm during commission of a felony, as well as conspiracy to violate racketeer influence and corrupt organizations, RICO Act. Clearly, there's something going on if this guy's getting stabbed every year, because July 2022 got stabbed, now December 2023 getting stabbed. Something's going on, and this guy must have because he's, he's, he's getting charged on uh, murder as well. So he must have done something. That's the thing. I haven't broken down or ever looked into really the YSL and YFN uh, gang-related thing. Um, I know uh, Traplor Ross broke it down, so I haven't checked that out. But, um, yeah, there's a lot of things behind the scenes that's probably going on with this because a guy gets stabbed twice. They're clearly trying to kill him. Uh, I'm surprised he's not, like, in maximum protective custody or something like that. Um, but I was watching, uh, I don't know if you guys ever watched the show last week tonight, uh, with John Oliver, it's an HBO show. Uh, you can watch it on YouTube for free. I uh, just type in last week tonight and I was watching, um, uh, 
because I watched a lot of the older episodes because I missed, you know, I started watching it probably two years ago. So from there, I start, basically when COVID started, I think, or maybe 2019, I could be, so not two years ago, probably three, four years ago. And uh, I started watching the older episodes. And basically what, what last week tonight is as a show, if you don't know, is like they cover an important topic and then they, they add like humor in between there, which is like hard to pull off when you really think about it. Because if it's a serious topic and you're adding humor in between, it's kind of hard to pull off. Um, but they were talking about like uh, recently in the recent episode, they were talking about prison uh, health, basically like uh, health insurance when it comes to prisons and people that are locked up. Now, most people are probably like, why, why should we care about, you know, inmates getting locked up and having, uh, you know, proper health insurance? Well, a lot of the people that get locked up are sometimes innocent and wrongly locked up. Some of them did small things, you know, like, I don't know, stealing a car, Grand Theft Auto um, or I don't know, uh, not paying child support or not paying tax, whatever, like something small that doesn't warrant, you know, somebody dying basically in prison. So a lot of these health companies or like these insurance companies don't look out for, they just steal money and they don't, you know, they let a lot of these inmates die. There's a story about a guy who got a heart attack and he was in prison just because he didn't pay child support. Um, and he ended up dying of a heart attack because they didn't give him any medical attention. They didn't care. They just gave him a uh, the lady just gave him like a Tums for heartburn. You know, she's like, oh, it's just heartburn. You'll be all right. And he's like, no, I've been, I'm feeling bad. And then eventually just died. And then she just said, oh, shit happens. Like she didn't even give a shit. Um, ended, she ended up eventually getting fired. But the, the premise of this whole thing is I'm surprised, not really surprised because this is a big case that like, you know, they give medical attention immediately when it comes to these type of situations. Because man, just watching that breakdown of how bad insurance is when it comes to prison, I mean, we have bad insurance in America regardless, because if you're listening to this outside of America, just know in America we have bad health insurance. Like our insurance, health insurance is terrible. Unless you got, unless you're loaded with money and you can afford to pay premium prices, most health insurance does not look out for a lot of things. Um, so it's unfortunate. Obviously, a lot of our money in America is going to war and killing people, uh, killing innocent people as well. Unfortunately, that's where our tax dollars are going instead of taking care of us that are living here uh we're just funding i think i'm not gonna get not much to get into politics but you know they just funded another hundred million for ukraine and it's like you know i don't know where this money's coming from anyways we're getting off completely off topic but i'm generally surprised at how quickly uh they took care of you know some people that get inmate staff sometimes they don't give a shit man it's like so that just prompted me to talk about that that you know they're prioritizing shannon's health and uh you know not really going in on a trial so much like they're they're like okay somebody got stabbed let's chill let's figure out what's going on here and he should be a maximum like uh maximum what is it called maximum uh protective custody because he's getting stabbed this is the second time clearly somebody wants him dead and for a reason because they probably think he's gonna snitch it'll be wild man if we found out like something like young thug was orchestrating inside prison stuff because he didn't want people to get snitch and he decided to, he killed off a lot of people from ysl and that'd be like some really mob ties type shit. It'd be some crazy stuff. I'm not saying that he's doing that. I'm just throwing out a theory out there, some crazy theory, but uh, yeah, we'll keep you guys updated. Obviously there's nothing going to be happening with the Rico trial now uh, till January 2nd, 2024. So more delays. And I'm sure <laughs> young Doug is not happy about that, man. Uh, he looked like he's eating good in there though. So he's looking a little more chubbier. So uh, they're feeding him well in there. So that's, that's, I guess a positive Kodak black. As I reported in the last episode, uh, Kodak Black got caught with a bunch of drugs and then got charged with drugs and evidence tampering. Uh, he ended up um, basically uh, 
pleading not guilty. So let's go over the article. Kodak, Kodak Black has pleaded not guilty to multiple charges after allegedly being caught with cocaine and has requested a trial by a jury of his peers. According to court documents obtain, obtained by XXL, double XL, on Monday, December 11th, Kodak entered a not guilty plea to the third degree cocaine possession, tampering with physical evidence and improper stop stand park. He's currently out on out on bail on a five thousand. He's currently out of jail on a five thousand dollar bond. I thought that it weren't giving him a bond in the last one. And according to a post from his attorney, Bradford Cohen, on Sunday, uh, they will be also be filing a motion to suppress the stop next week. This is wild though. Then Kodak basically responds to the claims that he got caught swallowing cocaine because we talked about in the last episode that when you know the police pulled up, he swallowed a bunch of cocaine. That's what the police said. Uh he here's here's what he admits to and what he denies. So Kodak Black has admitted to abusing drugs and is trying to get clean, but denies he was caught swallowing cocaine during an Instagram live. The Florida rapper made numerous confessions about his drug usage, including that he spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on rehab. So before I say anything else, let's play the clip. I was on the lean, homie. I was on the lean. I was sleeping in front of my family house, bro. That's it. I was on I was on that drink sleep and filling my people house. But it ain't and that ain't illegal. And that ain't illegal. I mean, so all that that shit, just the process. The process that it had to be in other mo in other mud shot. The process that even though like it bogus as fuck, they I'm plastered all over the internet. Then on top on top of that it's like bro like I'm Haitian, I mean and then it's just like my error Oh my error and shit, bro. Like hell, yeah, nah. Like man, you got you better off saying that. Okay, you drunk, you drink, then you smoke weed or dead Molly or whatever type shit. Even though that ain't that ain't cool, that ain't cool in itself. None of this shit cool, I mean. But to be talking about cocaine, come on, man. Hell, fuck no, bro. Hell, nah. And I ain't even I ain't finna say I'm against who do coke. Just yeah, man. I say they trying to put you on powder because you powerful, Cleef. Man, I ain't on that shit. I tell, I tell God himself I do perks. You know what I'm saying? Shit like that. But that, man, then them, them was my medicine prescribed to me. I will honestly say that. Like, as, as, like, even before I had got, got, got shot and I had got prescribed to it, to him again and shit like that, I could say, like, I had started, like, you know, damn a abuser too, you know And I'm working on myself. I'm working right now, I mean, I paid $350,000, like, $350,000 and shit to, like, to get clean and get better. You feel me? Or whatever, like, am I, am I, people know that I've never been the type of people to run from no, run from issues that I know I'm going to have to face. I look that shit head on and catch a hold on to it, shit like that, I mean, and been times, like, I done went rehab. About myself, like with no, without court appointment, without the court having to tell me to do that, just me wanting a battle for myself, me knowing like, bitch, I got children, woman, and it's like, I'm, I have to be here for them. I have to be there for them, man. them. Hell, and I never had enough time on the streets to even be no junkie. Like I go to rehab, no, I go to jail, no detox. I don't even fucking detox. I don't go through withdrawals and none of that shit. I ain't no baby. I ain't no chunky out here. I ain't no chunky. Not playing with me, homie. And I, I ain't gonna lie, I'm intelligent. 
You know what I mean? A lot of it, I didn't understand what he's saying because he's learned a lot of stuff. Not to say that he's on drugs when he's doing this live, but yeah, uh, I kind of understand Kodak about most of the time, but this was a little, uh, maybe it's because of the beeping. I hate when people are censoring words, they add the beeps. That's so old school. Like imagine in my YouTube documentaries <clears throat> where I had to censor words, I would beep every time. It's so annoying. Like just mute it, you know, like, like that type of, like, stop doing the fucking beeping. That's old school. I don't know any, well, I guess TV shows and shit on TV do, but regardless, stop doing that, guys, especially on social media. Just, it's annoying because all I'm here is, dah, 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 and then I'm going to my homie, bah, bah. it's like, come on, bro. Can't hear shit. What's going on, man? Um, Yeah, him being there for his kids, obviously, that's that's a number one, should be the number one reason why he wants to get, not first, obviously, for himself, but for his kids as well, man. Um, I forgot he even has kids because, you know, every everybody that's younger than me, I just think they don't have kids. I don't know why. It's like this. I'm getting old, basically, is what I'm saying. Um, I don't have any kids. So to me, it's like when I see somebody younger than me, I'm like, they don't have kids either. And then, boom, some people have kids. I'm like, holy shit. Anyways, he, you know, him admitting to the lean problem, uh, taking all kinds of different drugs, but denying the cocaine stuff. At the end of the day, man, all that stuff to me is equal. In terms of like bad, like don't do any of that shit. No lean, no Xanax, no perks, no fucking cocaine, no heroin, no nothing. That shit is just wild, wild, man. And I think it's because here's, here's in my, this is just from an outside looking in. I don't know. I don't know if I've, you know, if I ever, I, I, I can't, re, I can't actually relate to this because I'm already past the age, but being young and then getting famous is Something that I don't, you know, I, I would be genuinely surprised that anybody could handle really well. Like you'd have a, you'd have to have an amazing structure to handle that well. Because think about it, who at the at a young age that got famous handled it really well. Think about that. There's always someone. I can't right now in my, in my mind. I can't think of somebody because people will say like Michael Jackson, right? Didn't do any drugs. Let's just say that that you know he never did, but. He did deal with a lot of scrutiny when it comes to his nose, ended up getting nose surgery, um, you know, stuff like that where he altered his, you know, uh, face because people were saying things when he was a kid. Uh, he says he did it because he needed better, better breathing for his uh, music, which could be also true as well. I don't know. Um, that's his his thing of it. But he also said he got made fun of his nose at the time because it was so big and people were like, oh, my God, like his dad would make fun of him too. So. Trauma like that, but my, Michael, you know, that's probably one example. Michael's the biggest. Like, he didn't really have too much that he was, that you would be like, whoa, like drug-wise or anything crazy. But a lot of these, it's, thankfully for him, social media wasn't involved because social media is involved, it's a whole different level. Nowadays, you have social media involved where everything is getting critiqued every second. Everyone's a, a, a narrator. Everyone has an opinion. And uh, anyone can blow up, literally. Anybody that says anything can blow up, especially on, on Twitter. Um, cause you just say something and boom, people agree with it. It blows up. So yeah, it's hard, man, for a lot of these artists. So I kind of, I understand, you know, what all that fame and power does to them. And they need, they need like a kind of like vanilla ice. I don't know if I talked about it on the podcast, probably did, but there needs to be, he said there needs to be a dif differentiator. Like you need to separate from what you are as a, as a celebrity and an artist and what you are as an actual human being, as a person. And that's the beautiful thing about having a, a celebrity name, you know, like having a different name as your 
public figure and then having your own personal name. Um, that's what makes it, you know, uh, the differentiator there. And if you can dif- differentiate from the two, then you can you can know that hey, in Hollywood, in this per in this uh, in this public figure that I am, this is just an image. This is not me. Actually, one hundred percent me. Not to say that you're fake, quote unquote, but you know that this industry is just about what I do, and that's it. People don't really care about me like that in this industry. You know, they care about what you can do for them, and that's it. And then when you get home, that's where you you're close with the people that actually love you, care for you. And they call you by your real first name and stuff like that. So if you can differentiate the two, especially when you're young, that's great. But a lot of people being young can't. So that's why I say, you know, I'm happy that I'm slowly getting bigger and bigger as time goes on in terms of my company and who I am as a person and my notoriety, all that. I'm slowly getting there. I would have hated if I started in 2017 or if I was having the hip hop website and in 2010, when I was only, what, 2010, I was like 15 years old. If I just blew up and everybody knew me, that that would have been one of like the worst thing ever. So I'm glad I gra- I'm gradually growing. I'm happy with that. I don't care if somebody else blows up past me and does insane numbers and is a superstar. Congratulations to them. Me, I like building brick by brick, slowly getting there. I'm fine with that. I'm happy with that. I can slowly adjust to things, and it makes things a lot easier for me. Um, continuing on, Kodak has admitted using meth. And revealed he is due to be a father again. So, uh, let me play the clip. Y'all know I come as I am. You know what I mean? Like, whatever, like, a nigga got going on, bro, I wear that. And put, like, if that shit ain't me, homie, don't put that shit on me, homie. Like, for real, for real. Don't convict me or some shit that ain't me. When people make cocaine on me, that's the only shit. When I'm flaming by that shit, homie, because it's like, brother, I ain't, I ain't gonna lie. That shit. Crazy. I know I tell the bitch. I done told y'all. I done told y'all I fucked with them. I done told y'all I did meth before. <laughs> Hold me like the fuck, bro. I ain't in this shit, bro. I ain't around around no cocaine or fuck. They say you just want cocaine crazy. I don't fuck. And these people got no body count. None of that shit. Bro. 2023, fam. He, he has a point. If he's willing to come out and say a lot of these different things, you know, if he's willing to admit that he did meth, it's like, okay. You know, but at the end of the day, man, to me, all this shit's the same. I don't care if you admitted to cocaine, meth, perks regardless all this stuff is completely wild and i hope kodak black actually because spending three hundred fifty thousand dollars on rehab is a lot of money man that's a waste of money if it's not actually helping you so i hope this time when he goes to rehab he takes it serious because you know we know the eminem story where even on relapse he talks about uh got into rehab soon as I got in, I walked out of that bitch, you know, cause he didn't take it serious at the end of the day, somebody who's addicted, they have to take them getting better serious. And when they get into rehab, they have to take it serious or other than that, they, they, they never will get clean. And, you know, unfortunately we'll end up in a situation like DMX where, you know, he tried and just never got to that point where he could, he could fully be clean. Um, so yeah, man, wild story. Uh, we'll keep our, we'll keep updated on this. And regardless, Kodak, uh, whatever you did, uh, you know, meth, this, that, all bad, man. So please get clean, man. I would love to see that. Love to see your career be back on track as well because, man, you drop some hits here and then you just get into these situations, get into a messed up situation, get out, drop more hits. And, like, if he had a consistent run, oh, my God, man. I think he would have been easily up in, like, the little babies and all these newer artists that are kind of, like, the new whatever uh kings of hip-hop in terms of like the new generation um 
a lot of them obviously got and ended up dying and passing away, which is another reason why we're missing this whole gap. But I've talked about that like probably 90 million times about X, triple X, uh, X, Tentacion, you know, getting killed, Juice World, Pop Smoke, you know, all these artists that would have been the new generation leading the new generation. And Kodak's literally up there. He's just, he keeps getting into trouble. And the same thing applied to Kevin Gates, man. Uh, he was getting, he had this run in 2016, went platinum, no features, double, triple platinum on the singles, no new two phones. And uh, what is it? Really, really. And all those songs had this insane run, gets locked up, ruins the whole momentum, comes back, tries to do another run. And it doesn't really hit like the first time. Uh, in terms of quality of music, to me, I enjoyed it, but he didn't hit the, the, the charts again like he was doing. Because, you know, you have this momentum and then you get locked up. People tend to forget about you, man. It's quick here, you know, because the social media people are just in and out, in and out. What's new? What's next? What's hot? And, you know, people, you know, forget. So, uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Kodak Black, get in your get in your zone, man. Get out of the, the drug situation. Uh, have people around you that actually love you and care for you and want you to get better. Because a lot of people are just probably around you for your money. Let's be honest here. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of these situations, that's what people are, are here for. Just the money. They could care less about you getting better. They just want to get a check, and that's all they care about. Um, and if they speak up, you know, they're worried you're going to fire them and stuff like that. So why speak up when they can just keep getting the checks that they that they uh, want? Me, personally, I, like I, I don't care what situation I'm in, man. If I see somebody that is a friend of mine, not even a friend of mine, just an overall person, like I just... I'd be like, dude, get help, man. And in a respectful way, I'd be like, listen, I wouldn't say you're a junkie because that's, that is disrespectful to somebody, even though, you know, uh, to some of the stuff, it is like that, man. You're doing a lot of different stuff and you're putting yourself in different situations and it's going to cause a lot of big problems. So, you know, I would, I would definitely be like, Hey, get some help, man. It would help out. So Quando Rana, speaking of another thing that we're updating from the last podcast, he is facing 20 years after the recent arrest. So let's go over the article. Quan Rondo is facing up to two decades in prison after being charged with federal drug crimes. The rapper was already facing state uh, gang and drug charges in Georgia over a separate arrest earlier this year. The 24-year-old was arrested in his hometown of Savannah on Saturday, December 9th, and according to unsealed federal indictment, he has been charged with conspiring with others to possess and distribute drugs, including meth, fentanyl, cocaine, and marijuana. The charge carries a sentence of up to 20 years behind bars, Rondo has been charged on 14 counts in total, including possession of a firearm in furtherance of drug trafficking crime, possession of a firearm by prohibited person, and conspiracy to interfere with commerce by robbery. He's also accused of being part of a drug trafficking ring from 2021 and is currently being held in federal facility in Brunswick. He has yet to be granted bail. Not looking good, man. Um, not looking good. 20 years. And if he gets that, it's a wrap for this guy. No more music, no more nothing. By the time he gets out, he's 24, 20 years, 44 years old. Nobody's going to be checking for Quando Run. I'm just 1 million percent saying that. He has some songs, man. He's got records here and there that I'm like, whoa. You know, he can deliver. He can deliver here and there. But nobody's going to be checking for him uh, 20 years down the line. That's just not happening. I don't care who you are. Uh, nah, nah. Let me, let me reward that. You got you to be a special, special type of artist like a top tier a-list artist for somebody to worry about you getting out after 20 years um because i remember the hype behind boozy hype behind gucci uh a lot of these artists especially the boozy one it was insane hype drops people then stopped caring like musically um and I, I i remember uh checking out the album it was called touchdown to cause hell really really good album i enjoyed it but the hype just i like the way gucci came out because he reinvented himself like he became sober fit 
which we never saw fit Gucci. Um, and then just started dropping bangers of music, man. Um, what's the what's the album with that paint all over it? Uh, but he just started dropping like record after record and finally got a first number one with Migos and all this stuff. And I was like, damn, or not Migos, Ray Shremmer, Black Beatles song. And Migos, actually. He did a lot of good records with Migos as well. But uh, Drake as well, Kanye, all these records that he was doing. So Gucci did it. I like, like, he he's one of the people that when he got out, you know, that's, I think if, you, if, you, if you're missing that long and you're a big artist, you, you would have to reinvent yourself. Like, if you're fat before you're going in, come out really fit, sober, you know, that would reinvent yourself and people would be interested because that's a story in itself. Um, if you are fit, maybe go fat. I don't know. I'm just joking. I don't, I w- you obviously, you want to go negative in the health-wise, but reinvent yourself in a way that would make people interested. I don't know, tattoo your face or some shit. Put, I don't know, something crazy. But, yeah, that, that, that Gucci thing is, like, just interesting in itself because going from what he was to now, it's like a whole 180. And... uh you know, that that's what brought a lot of attention to him as well. This is a story that I'm I'm tired of hearing about. Uh, frankly, I'm over it. Uh, Tory Lanez has been sentenced. So I don't know why this is being brought up again. I have It's mad annoying. Uh, I'm just done with the story in general. It's like the blue face and whatever the hell he's going through. I hate the blue face story, by the way. I would never cover it on here. I'm just tired of seeing that shit. It's always on my TL. Same with this. I'm just, I thought this was going to be done, finished, over, but here we are again. Tory Lane's bodyguard says Megan the Stallion's friend shot her and not Tory Lane's. My thing is, where the hell was this guy when this whole trial was going on and they needed him to testify? I think he ran away or some shit. Something happened. I don't know. So let's go over the article. It's been four months since Tory Lane's was sentenced to 10 years in prison for shooting Megan the Stallion in her feet but he and his defenders continue to put forth the idea that it wasn't him. After a court document featuring a statement from Lane's bodyguard that he saw Megan's friend, Kelsey Harris, holding a gun became public, gossip blogs and social media accounts almost immediately began running with the story, insinuating once again that Megan was either lying or mistaken about just who pulled the trigger. I don't know why people are switching their stories. People are getting paid into their fucking... I don't know what's going on. I... I how is this this difficult of a situation? There was like four fucking five people involved. There's clearly a gunshot that went off. Clearly Megan's foot got shot. We know that's a fact. But why is, I don't know, man. This thing is crazy. However, uh, Megan has remained adamant in the face of the renewed attacks uh, from Blaine's supporters, questioning some of the comments. So Megan Stallion went on Instagram Live and addressed uh, the situation immediately. So a lot of people think because she's addressing the situation immediately that she's bullshitting. I don't know, man. I wasn't there. I'm not even going to give my thoughts because a lot of this stuff is confusing to me. I didn't really deep dive too much into it because it's just a story that has too many twists and turns of stupid things. At the end of the day, Megan got shot. She is a victim at the end of the day. That's, that's the number one fact. Who shot her? I don't know, man. At this point, might as well just throw OJ Simpson in this and be like, yo, is he the one that shot her? I don't know. I'm saying somebody is following the street code, not snitching. Are you snitching or are you not snitching? Because y'all trying to pretend like Kelsey shot me. Kelsey didn't motherfucking shoot me. And I really wonder why she, her main problem with me was, you won't tell people I didn't shoot you. I was like, Kelsey, I don't want to talk about this on social media at all. But now you won't even get online and defend yourself. So that really just proves my points. Either you took some money or your life is in danger. Like, why won't you get online and say, 
bitch, because this is what y'all care about. Y'all care about online. Because the case, if you did, if you say you didn't shoot me, why won't you get on the stand and say I didn't shoot this bitch? You you say it online every day. You figure out how to get your niggas to say you didn't do it. You figure out how to get the blogs to say you didn't do it. But the one motherfucking would have mattered from was you. You should have said I didn't do it. Kelsey did it. If she did it, why wouldn't you just say she did it? Kelsey, if you did not do it, why won't you just say, I did not do it? I know who shot me. I said who shot me, and that's why the fuck you in jail. Y'all motherfuckers are dragging it online like it's some new evidence. There's no new evidence. Motherfucking witnesses went missing. Why? I wonder why the witnesses went missing. Did y'all pay them? Why y'all showing up now? Why y'all showing up? It's about to be 2024. Y'all still fucking with me. Y'all still fucking with me. Why? Because y'all see me moving on and doing better. Y'all see me trying to heal and trying to grow, but y'all keep trying to bring me back this way when I'm trying to go this way. Hey, man, I'm tired of it, too. I'm not even going to lie. I don't even care at this point. Tory Lane's got sentenced. It is what it is. If he's innocent, he's got money. He's got resources. He can get himself out of the situation. At this point, that's what they concluded, that he's guilty and it's him. It is what it is. Now, do innocent people get charged? Yes. But Tory Lane's, not, no disrespect to Tory Lane's family or anything when I say this. But Tory Lane should be the least of our worries when it comes to anything relating to innocent people getting locked up. He should be the least. The reason why is because he's got money to defend himself. There are people in America every day getting convicted of things that is that they had nothing to do with. But they don't have, there's no attention to them because they're not a celebrity. They don't have money to defend themselves. They just have to cop a plea and say that they're guilty just because... That's the only thing they can do, and that, that that will potentially reduce their sentence a little bit if they just cop the plea and say they're guilty. Uh, they don't have money, any of this stuff. So we should be focusing on those people. Now, if Tory Lanez is innocent, obviously that's wrong. But he's been charged. That's the final of it. doesn't matter what anybody says online. doesn't matter what your conspiracy theory says, what my conspiracy theory says, what this person's conspiracy. Whoever, at the end of the day, he is convicted. If he's truly innocent, he has enough money, time, resources, especially time because he's locked up 24-7 now. Money, time, resources to fight this. And that's the, the end of it. I know there are a lot of things, man, online that is just some of it's ridiculous about Illuminati and Tory Lanez was exposed in the music industry. Always some shit when it comes to celebrities getting locked up. It's always something about, oh, Bill Cosby was going to buy CBS because that's why they took him down. At the end of the day, I want you guys to remember this. Every single person, famous, rich, poor, whatever, whatever, not known, regular John Smith in Kentucky, I don't know. Uh, everybody is a human being. Nothing special about these people, regardless of them being famous or rich. There is sometimes no conspiracy. Now, there is there conspiracies here and there. Yes, some of them turn out to be true. But at the end of the day, man, just because a celebrity gets shot, it's not a conspiracy theory. If a, if a celebrity gets ill and, oh, they tried killing him because of this and this. No, sometimes just they're a human being. They end up dying. Things happen. They're human beings. They make mistakes. They do things behind the scenes that are grimy. They do. That's, that's They're regular human beings. We are all human beings. We have flaws. We all these type of, all these things. We're, we're, we're all Essentially, damn near the same, just different skin colors and religions and stuff. At the end of the day, we're all the same. We bleed the same. We have the same hearts beating. We have all this stuff. We need oxygen to survive. You know, right now, if all oxygen stopped, we all die. That's the sim simplicity of all this shit. We're the same. Now, if somebody doesn't die when there's no oxygen, that's an alien, and we got to definitely look into that motherfucker. But all I know of right now, there's no aliens, at least on planet Earth. 
Unless the celebrities are aliens. At that point, then, yeah, we do got a conspiracy theory. We got to look into that. Now, that's even a conspiracy theory. I've seen that all over the place. Regardless, I'm getting on a track. You know, you guys know what I'm talking about. At the end of the day, it's done. And the people, the fact people bringing this shit up again is just so annoying. And she's even annoyed by it. And I feel, I feel for her because I'm like, damn, what the fuck is going on? If Tory, if Tory Lanez is truly innocent, he'll come out of this. He'll, he has enough money, time to defend himself. You guys really care about somebody being innocent so badly. You guys should look into a bunch of cases of people that are not known that are innocent, that have served 20 years and finally get out and they don't get nothing for it. You know, those are the people that we should be vouching for, talking for, you know, doing stuff. I, I, I don't care about this, to be honest. With you. Not to say that I don't care about innocent people getting locked up, because I do. Obviously, that's fucked up, but... We shouldn't be focusing this deep into this and making all these conspiracy theories. What happened that night is people got drunk. They hung out. Argument ensued. Somebody shot Megan, and that's it. That's all that happened that night. It wasn't no... Anyways, yeah, I can go off on a whole rant. But, yeah, I just want to keep you guys updated on that. And, you know, who knows? Something comes out of this. Something comes out of this. If not, you know, it is what it is, man. Let's keep it moving, everybody. This is a story that's been going on for fucking since 2020 when it happened. So, William Roberts. Uh, I just got off a whole rant with Megan. So now I'm on a whole rant with William Roberts, a.k.a. Rick Ross, the guy, the rapper guy. Not the real Rick Ross, but the rapper. You guys know what I'm talking about. William Roberts. His trolling is, is top tier, to be honest with you. It's very elite. I enjoy it because it's entertaining when I hear him troll. Because this is all this is is trolling, basically what he said. He basically caught wind of the story of the Young Buck selling his catalog, which I talked about on my previous podcast. And he said, you know, Young Buck selling is worth about 700000 so I'm going to give... And then he offers an offer to 50 Cent to buy the whole G-Unit catalog. Most of the G-Unit catalog. Basically, Banks' catalog, Yayo's, Bucks, and then the G-Unit debut album, Beg for Mercy. Uh, first, play the clip. Then I'm going to talk about why this is hilarious, because you guys already know I'm going to break this shit down. This is like... Easy peasy lemon squeezy. You know, this is nothing. If Rick Ross is here, I'd be like, listen, bro, this is not how this is. Anyways, well, let me play the clip for you guys. It's the biggest boss, Ricky Rose, and I got a business offer for the diabolical genius. I read yesterday that Young Buck's catalog is worth 725k for the entire catalog. Cool. I can only assume that Lloyd Banks is worth about the same. So I say, thank you. So I say, let's make it, and let's keep it simple, throw um, Tony Yeo in there, I'll give you 1.5. And let's say for the, not, I, I don't need the entire G on the catalog, but beg for mercy. Let's keep it simple, I'll give you another 500K for the masters of that. So that's $2 million on making a business offer to the diabolical genius. That's $2 million. Boss. <laughs> First, Rick Ross, here, here's the thing. 50's going in on Diddy. Rick Ross and Diddy are, are butt buddies, basically. That's the, the central thing of this is uh, Rick Ross is just defending Diddy. That's what he's trying to do. He's trying to make 50 get off track on Diddy because he's 50 staying on Diddy's neck 24-7. And what he's trying to do is just deter 50 from staying on Diddy's neck and get him to talk about William. Um, and William didn't sell much isn't really that relevant musically anymore like he used to be, quote-unquote used to be, uh, or was hot to what people were saying at one point. Um, and now he's just trying to deter and offer these things up. 
I responded to it immediately on Twitter. Um, and I just said something simple, right? Uh, and there was one person that responded to me and just didn't understand what I was saying at all. But, you know, most people understood what I was saying. So Rick Ross is saying basically $1.5 million for the G-Unit catalog of Banks, Buck, Yayo, and just the Beg for Mercy album. Not the Terminator on site album, right? Beg for Mercy. So, obviously, it's not worth $1.5 million. The Young Buck story, that's the portion that Buck owns. And by the way, it was an auction that he had to, because he's dealing with, you know, bankruptcy issues and stuff like that. And he, he's he's trying to sell it, you you know, to a buyer that wants to buy it, you know, at an auction price, which is lower usually than what it's actually worth because you're trying to sell it quicker. And then the details behind that, obviously, I don't know the full details of what Buck owns, what percentage. He, only, he, might, only, he might have only owned 10%. That means seven hundred twenty-five, seven hundred fifty thousand, a ten percent. That means it's worth a lot more. Maybe you only own twenty percent. I don't know what the percentage is, but we know Buck's catalog is not worth seven seven hundred twenty-five thousand. The full catalog. The reason why we know that, and I know that for a fact, is because there's been artists that have only sold a million, two million that sold their catalogs for a lot more in the, in the past. And on top of that, a lot of the G Unit music is global worldwide it's not g-unit as a brand g-unit as a brand is global and 50's proven that with the final lap tour yayo even said himself yayo buck banks and game just touring off the g-unit name worldwide would, would do insane numbers they don't even have to have 50 involved they would do insane numbers and how do i know this because i am from a whole different country i'm from europe they still bump Banks, Buck, Yayo, Game, 50. They bump all this stuff still. Especially 50, obviously. But he's saying 1.5 million. So I was like, all right. If if all those people combined, Yayo, Buck, Banks, and the Juna Beg for Mercy album, all of them combined is worth 1.5 million. That made me think, what is Rick Ross's catalog worth? Considering, here's the thing, considering... That's what that's what Rick Ross obviously is trolling because I know that he's trolling this because he's not being serious about this shit. It's not worth one point five million, not even fucking close to one point five million. The reason why I would know this is because just look at the numbers; it makes no sense. If G Unit catalog with the Beg for Mercy album has gone triple platinum, and this was triple platinum back in two thousand and four, we have no updated numbers of Beg for Mercy. It could be five, six, seven times platinum for now. I would I would assume it's at least five times platinum right now. After 20 years. Now, I know people are going to say, well, I, I think it's more. It's probably not because if you look at Give Richard Die Trying, which is obviously the biggest album, period, when it comes to anything G-Unit related, it went up a couple you know, million after 20 years, but it didn't go like you know huge. It's not diamond officially in America. It is globally, but it's nine times platinum in America after all these years. So I would assume Beg for Mercy, it going you know triple platinum in America in 2004, because in 2003 it was released, late 2003, but in 2004 it went about triple platinum. Right now, I think the official numbers on RIAA is like double platinum. But by then, I think the numbers... Because you have to remember, all this stuff isn't updated completely. So, you know, you got to take that with a grain of salt. So if in December, December 16, 2003, it was double platinum, that means within a month, the album got released November 14, 2003. So within a month, it sold 2 million copies in America alone. Just within a month... The Beg for Mercy album did that. Now, let's just put that album there, right? 
and let's put Rick Ross's best-selling album, which is Port of Miami, his debut album. That album, as of 2015, uh, 2016, sorry, they updated it 10 years after its release. After 10 years, with streams included, officially went platinum in 2016. That means only a million sold. G-Unit Beg for Mercy, within a month, told, sold 2 million. Within one month, we're talking 10 years to go platinum, just platinum, versus a month to go double platinum, sell 2 million. 1 million a whole year, 2 million in a month. And you mean to tell me, what, what is Rick Ross' catalog worth? Then? If that, that's how quickly they went platinum, double platinum. And in 2004, it was confirmed it was triple platinum. And then 50 just got this big-ass plaque in Australia that showed uh, Beg for Mercy was platinum, which I don't know Australian numbers of what they, what they count as platinum. Maybe 100,000 sold regardless. But all these things are updated on the massacre five times. So we're not even including 50's catalog. Obviously, 50's catalog is not worth 1.5 million. We know that. So let's just include G-Unit, the Beg for Mercy album, like you mentioned. Let's include Banks's. Which we know banks, like, come on, man. It, the tiers, here's the funny thing in this. This is the tiers that Rick Ross is in. Rick Ross's best-selling album, his debut album, Port of Miami. We're not talking singles, just album. The best-selling album is Platinum in 2016. Tony Yeo's best-selling album is Thoughts of a Predicate Found. It's actually his only debut, like, studio album. That's Platinum. And that was Platinum in two. You say 2006, because 50 said about in 2005, this is what 50 said, RIAA, there is no certifications. But we could assume Yayo would have done at least platinum after two years, because Yayo couldn't tour when the album came out because he was on house arrest still and dealing with a lot of, like, he was still on, uh, you know, after he got released, started to deal with a lot of, like, parole and all that stuff. So 50 said by the end of 2005, the album ended up selling about 800,000 copies. So we can assume by now it's platinum. Let's just say another 200,000 within a whole year. 10 years, which is like, honestly, I think it's double platinum by now. I would assume Tony Yeo's album is double platinum by now. I'm just going to throw that out there. I think it is. But regardless, let's just say both of them are double platinum. Let's say Port of Miami, even though it took 10 years for it to just to go platinum with streams. Let's say now in 2023, another what? How many years? Is that? Another, because it came out in 2006. 2000, another, how am I doing this? Man? 16 years later, let's just say 16 years total, it's gone double platinum. Yeo and about... 18 years has gone double platinum. Let's just say they're both double platinum now. Let's just say the numbers are that. Yet Rick Ross is just matching the lowest selling member in G-Unit's numbers. So what does that say about Rick Ross and his catalog? Now, I'm not saying, you know, Rick Ross's catalog is the same as Yayo's. That's not the debate at all. That's not what I'm arguing. What I'm saying is Yayo's highest selling album Probably brings in just as much money as Rick Ross's highest selling album. That's just one album, though. That's album to album, right? So let's let's, let's get Yayo. William William Roberts' best selling album is matches Yayo's, right? Okay. So he threw in Banks, he threw in Buck. The next tier in terms of sales is Young Buck. So goes Yayo, the least sell, selling member. Then Young Buck's next. Straight out of Cashville is, if I remember correctly, double platinum in terms of at the time when he was certified. Okay, so at the time that it was certified, it was not double platinum. But So this is the certification date, January 2005. So the album came out August 2004. So it took about, you could throw six, seven months for it to go officially platinum. Officially from RIAA. But according to reports, it's double platinum. You know, 50 said double platinum. Uh, a lot of, I think, what was the Wikipedia page said double platinum. Um, so we'll just give it, we'll just say double platinum. 
after all these years. From January 2005 till now, I would say a million copies were added onto that. I would 1 million percent uh, confirm that. That's not even a, that's not even out of reach because it's G-Unit. G-Unit always does numbers. So a million copies added on after since 2005 till now. So about 18 years later, a million copies extra sold, double platinum. It could be more than that. It could be triple platinum. It could be, you know, whatever. So let's say double platinum. Rick Ross has about how many albums that are gold, meaning 500,000 sold. He's got about, let's see. Let's see how many albums he has that are gold. Because he has only one platinum album. Let's remember that. Or we can throw double platinum if, if we have to. Um, it's not a big deal to me. I don't care. I give him extra some. Give him some extra numbers just to just to buff up his numbers because it's not going to look good for him. Let's just say Rick Ross, Port of Miami's double platinum. God forgives, I don't. Uh, is gold. That's one other album. Teflon Don is gold, five hundred thousand. So that's another album. And Rick Ross's Trilla is gold. So he has four albums. One that reached platinum. The other three reached gold. Which means one point five million copies. Let's say Port of Miami's double platinum. Let's say all these albums right now because these certification dates two thousand twelve. 2010, 2008. So let's just say they updated these certifications, right? Let's just say they updated them. And let's say they're they're platinum because Rick Ross doesn't sell that much. Let's be honest. As time's gone on, it took him a whole 10 years just to go platinum on one album. So we got to assume it's going to take a long time just to, for him to go from gold to platinum. It's going to take a while. We just have to assume that based off of the performance of his biggest album, by the way, his debut album. Other albums didn't match his debut album in terms of hit... His biggest lead solo song is Hustlin'. Then it's Aston Martin music. Then it's whatever the hell else he's got. Um, so let's say all these are platinum. So Port of Miami, double platinum. God forgives I don't platinum. Teflon Don platinum. Trilla platinum. What does that put him in sales? Five million. Five million total. As of, we're just assuming because a lot of these haven't been updated. Let's say he has other albums that are gold. We can throw that in. So six million. Let's just give him an extra million. Say these other albums went gold whatever albums he's released that I don't think they've gone gold, to be honest with you. Maybe we're lucky. Uh, so six million sold. Rick Ross as a solo artist. No Maybach music. Just Rick Ross catalog. Six million sold. So you got Yayo at... We threw double platinum for Yayo. I believe we did. Let's just say he's platinum. Let's not even... Let's let's go to the lowest numbers on the G-Unit side. And let's... We'll pump up Rick Ross's numbers. Let's just do that for Rick Ross, for Rick Ross's benefit because he's going to need it. Six million sold. We pumped up a little bit of Rick Ross's numbers. Say a lot of the certification dates are out of date. Pump up their numbers. Six million sold. Yayo a million. Bucks a million, even though he's probably double platinum by now. He's two million. Yayo's probably double platinum. He's two million. But we're not going to do that. We're just going to go for G-Unit's sake. I'm going to keep a straight facts off the, the, the things. Here, we'll, we'll inflate some of Rick Ross's numbers because... People are going to argue, oh, Rick Ross is bigger than all these. Okay, so let's just inflate some of the numbers. I'll give him an extra, what, 1 million? An extra 2.5 million sold, I'll give him. Because right now, he's only, as of RIAA, Port of Miami is only platinum. God forgives I don't, it's gold. Truff on Don gold, Trillet gold. That's it. So we're looking at RIAA right now certifications. We're looking at what? 2.5 million sold. So we'll add in a bunch of extras. So we'll say 6 million. Yayo is at a million. Bucks at a million. Let's go Lloyd Banks. Let's go Lloyd Banks. And we're not inflating any of these numbers, by the way. Even though these are... The dates on these certifications are so old that we can inflate these numbers by at least another 5 to 10 million if we really wanted to. Hunger for More is platinum. This was in September 2004. The album came out July 2004. So August, September. Within two months, it went platinum. Within two months. 
This is we're talking Rick Ross Port of Miami took a whole 10 years with streaming adding on top of that to go platinum. Banks did that in two months. And that's a certification date in 2004, September. We are a whole 10, 20 years later. We're about to be. So we can easily say this album's triple platinum, four times platinum. But we'll go off RIAA certification for June. It will go straight facts RIAA. Another platinum album. So you got Yayo Platinum, Buck Platinum, Banks Platinum. Uh, none of these other albums, none of other Banks albums are on here. Um, he has On Fire the single is gold. But you remember Benz gold. But we can assume other albums. We're not even going to assume those other albums. We're just going to go straight facts with June and give Rick Ross the benefit of doubt that he sold more. Just give him that benefit of the doubt. So we got we got three million on this side, just on Banks, Buck, and Yayo. We got six million on Rick Ross's side, and we're inflating Rick Ross numbers. I just want to remind you guys of that. Um, then let's go into the G Unit album, Beg for Mercy. So what is that at? June Beg for Mercy is double platinum, but like I said, it did it within a month. So we could even assume it's triple, but we'll go off straight the numbers. So June the Beg for Mercy album, Banks catalog is a million. Yeah, Bucks catalog is a million sold. Yayo is a million sold. So June with the Yayo and all of them with just RIAA, no inflation numbers, even though these certification dates are over 20 years old, we'll just assume they did 5 million. So Rick Ross did 6 million. Banks, Buck, Yayo, and the June debut album totaled at $5 million in America. We're just talking American numbers. We're not. And I'm giving Rick Ross the biggest benefit of the doubt when I'm comparing these numbers. So a million difference, let's just say. That's that's the difference based off these numbers. Let's just throw that in there. Million million difference. You mean to tell me that million sales difference is the whole situation in this? Is that that, that that's only worth $1.5 or whatever Rick Ross offered? That means Rick Ross catalog is worth about $2 million. $2.5 million. You want to inflate it even more because he has singles with Drake and all these singles and shit. Whatever. Let's just inflate it even more. Let's just add in a bunch of shit. Add in a bunch of shit. Whatever. Let's say it's worth $5 million. That's hilarious because if you compare 50s catalog versus Rick Ross, G-Unit, I'm just giving the bare minimum numbers of G-Unit. I'm not even talking about the Because right now we know Banks is, we know for a fact Banks is three times platinum because of all this time that's gone by. If you go platinum in a month or two months, you can go double platinum in about four, five, six months. And then you can potentially go triple platinum in about two, three, four years. Like that's that's just the reality. A lot if you look at the history of albums and how they go platinum and stuff, that's usually what happens. So Rick Ross says 1.5 million, this and that. And I'm like, that makes totally no sense. You're the your biggest selling album matches Yayo's least, I mean, the least selling member of Yayo's album. So it's funny, man. Uh, I think a lot of this stuff is just hilarious. And, uh, you know, it's obviously for Masters, not publishing. So that's another thing that's a whole different topic. Masters and publishing are two different revenue streams. Um, but it's hilarious at the end of the day, man, that Rick Ross can can think that June is such as a brand. It doesn't, doesn't, doesn't do much. I wish, I wish Banks would get on his ass and just destroy him again because the disrespect to Banks, he's disrespected Banks for a while. Uh, Buck, he kind of responded to it saying, I'm, I'm, I'm on my way back, you know, let the people talk, whatever. And a lot of people were commenting like that Rick Ross clown doesn't know what we're talking about. And then Buck would like the comments and, um, Hey shit, man, if, if Rick Ross can get G-Unit together off this, I would be, bro, I would be the, I would be, I'll be very thankful to William Roberts for, for getting G-Unit back together. That'd be really amazing. Uh, 50 shouldn't respond to this. Uh, nothing, nothing here to see. 
Uh, this guy is just trolling, clowning. Uh, his catalog is probably not that much, m- not much more worth than G Unit's catalog. Like G Unit, as a, he's he's including, he said himself, he's including Yayo Banks, Buck, and G Unit album, at least the debut album. I don't think Rick Ross's catalog is worth more than all those combined. I'm gonna be 100. You can just look at the numbers. Look at the numbers. Let's 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 go. Let's see. I'm really curious to see this. Let's see. Let's go to some of the streaming numbers of Banks versus Rick Ross's. Mind you, Lloyd Banks um, hasn't uh, really, you know, hasn't collaborated with a lot of artists. He's been G-Unit in the house. He's been all that. So you don't know, which is Eminem. He's featured on that. It's not really his lead song. But Beamer Benz and Bentley is the one. Uh, a lot of this, by the way, a lot of this music is pre-streaming. So Rick Ross was a lot, not all of it, but majority of the music is streaming. Uh, Rick Ross has been more relevant, obviously, recently because he works with Drake and all these other artists that help him. But Beamer Benz and Bentley's at 109 million streams on Spotify. Rick Ross's biggest solo lead single was Hustlin', and I think, if I remember correctly, let's go over Rick Ross. Uh, Spotify streams. His biggest... Biggest, 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 biggest boast that you've seen this far. Uh, let's see. Spotify streams. Spotify song streams. So where are we at here? Uh, Aston Martin Music is at 209 million. So Banks is at Beamer Benz and Bentley, 109 million. So he's about Rick Ross with Aston Martin Music, which features Drake, who was one of the hottest artists at the time. Uh, is about a hundred million more streams. Okay, so let's go. Let's go to the albums. I'm just curious. So you got the hunger for more, and it's split into three different ones, which makes absolutely no sense. I don't know what the maybe the deluxe version. Maybe I don't know. So hunger for more has three separate streams. That's interesting. I don't know why it's separated because I would like to see this into one. Um, let me see. Yeah, I don't know why all these banks things are like separated into three. Does that mean like they're all separated in streams or what the fuck? That's interesting. Yeah, here it's showing them separated. Uh, if we go to Rick Ross, it's not showing his separate. Actually, it is. It's showing two different. That's weird. I don't know what's the reason for Oh, probably clean and dirty version, I'm assuming. But Banks has like three, so it makes... Does he have like a deluxe version that he added onto there? Okay, so Rick Ross' biggest album, Port of Miami, add them together, both of them. I'm just going to add all of them together. Uh, is about 600 and... 600 and... Uh, 330. Let's just say they're both 330 because they're they're not, but let's say they're both 330. 660 million with Port of Miami. Hunger for more. I'm going to have to do a calculator on this because it's 183, 183, and 180. So let's say 183... Uh, 183 plus 183 plus 180. Hunger for More is at 546 million. So Rick Ross's Port of Miami, his debut album, which came out in 2006, uh, streams is at 660 million on Spotify. Banks's Hunger for More is at 546 million. You could say about what an 80 million difference, maybe 80 million difference. Um, by the way, Banks was released way before streaming. Went platinum on physical CD sales. This is just streams. 
Um, so Rick Ross is dominating in terms of streams. Obviously, we, I, I would say Rick Ross is in terms of like overall numbers because he's he's been working with more you know artists. Banks doesn't do that. He doesn't really feature a lot of like mainstream artists. Doesn't really care about hits. Blah blah blah. So Rick Ross is more obviously relevant when it comes to the G Unit members. Um, let's see what the G Unit Beg for Mercy stream is. That G Unit Spotify streams. I'm just curious because that's that's probably the one that's gonna. Um, that's probably the one that's going to match a lot of Rick Ross's stuff because that's probably the best selling. Um, so popping them things is almost at 200 million streams and Rick Ross's biggest solo lead song was at what? 200 and 206 million. I think something like that. Let's, let's go to Rick Ross. Why did I take the Rick Ross one off? So you got, let's see, Rick Ross, Spotify song streams. So you got Rick Ross's lead song that he's a lead of is 209 million. Junit's popping them things is 197 million. And that's a song that's that's something that came way before streaming. So it's basically almost matching Rick Ross's biggest lead song. Mind you, popping them things is straight G unit, no feature, no nothing. Aston Martin Music, which is Rick Ross's biggest song as a lead artist, has Drake featured on there. Um so G unit, that's what I'm saying. G unit's beg for mercy is actually matching. So here's the number on Junit's Beg for Mercy. And this is gonna this is where I'm saying Junit is a bigger, regardless. Um Port of Miami, which is Rick Ross' biggest. If we added them with 660 million, we added two of them because there's two on there. That's like split. So I'm just gonna add both. 660 million total streams. Beg for mercy. This is how how much of a difference Beg for Mercy is. 539 million plus 493 million. Let's see what that is. You're looking at a billion, billion, one billion and thirty-two million streams. One mil, one, I don't know, one thousand and thirty-two, whatever. So one billion and thirty-two million streams. So it's over a billion streams on the Big for Mercy album. So you got over a billion. Let's see what Rick Ross is. What he would have to combine. So you'd have to combine Port of Miami, which is six hundred sixty million, and he would have to combine Teflon Don, which is the second biggest at three hundred twenty-five million, three hundred ten million. So you add that six sixty. Yeah, it'd be a little bit over. It'd be about one point two billion, basically. So. You basically add two of his biggest albums, match one of G units with Beck for Mercy. And then you add Buck and all these other Yeah. So the, the comparison just Beck for Mercy alone, with the numbers that it has, dominates a lot of Rick Ross's catalog. A lot. Probably like forty to fifty percent. Then you add in Yayo, Buck, Banks. And mind you, that's a lot, a lot, you know, but and I know what people are gonna say, or oh, you're comparing one artist to a whole label and Rick Ross did that, by the way. I'm not saying anything. Rick Ross the one who dragged everybody in there and said, Yeah, yo, Banks, Buck, and the G Unit album. He's the one that dragged this in. I'm only I'm only bringing in what he dragged in. That's all I'm doing. I'm not comparing anything else. So overall, man, uh, you know, he's trolling, clowning. And uh, you know, I hope Buck responds, Banks responds, and Yayo responds because it's disrespect to them, man. Uh, 50 clearly washes this guy musically in every single number category that's ever existed. Uh, this guy's not even close to 50's career. I would even argue the Junit label as a, the Junit Beg for Mercy album is, is more than what Rick Ross's most 40 to 50% of his career is, which is crazy. Um, but yeah, I, I, honestly, I'd be interested to see what Junit as like a catalog would be worth. Like with if, if all everything, if you owned 100% of it, Probably worth like fifty million, I would assume, maybe even more. I don't even know. I'm just throwing numbers out there because I don't even know the business behind it all and stuff like that. Uh, it could be worth a hundred, hundred fifty, two hundred million because Juna is a huge name globally, at least. 
Uh, if it's not in America, globally it is. You can say G-Unit, hey, artist. And Yale and Banks even toured off that a while ago when they were doing their their little tour. They just toured G-Unit. G-Unit artist, Boy Banks, Tony Yale, boom. They sold out shows overseas. They did like 20 or 30 shows by them, just with them two. Um, so, speaking of success in 50, uh, he shows off his new Louisiana G-Unit film and television studios. This was reported on a while ago, but 50 kind of reconfirmed it and brought it to the light which was pretty cool. Uh, 50 Cent has invaded the South with a brand new studio where his G-Unit film and television division will be calling home for the foreseeable future in Louisiana. The G-Unit Hollywood empire continues to grow as 50 received approval from Shreveport City Council in Louisiana to take over a massive studio on Tuesday, December 12th per KSLA 12. All roads, 50 said, all roads lead to Shreveport if you're ready to work in film and television. G-Unit Studios is officially in Louisiana. Boom, green light gang. Uh, 50 caption in the post with the photo. Everybody commented, YG, Fat Joe, congratulations, uh, Killer Mike. Uh, you know, bravo, black man, uh, Killer Mike. Uh, the lease will cost fifth. The lease will cost fifth 2400 annually for 30 years, which after which he can renew it for 15 more if he pleases. Damn, that's nothing. 24 annually? 2400 annually? Uh, yeah, there's a lot of... The reason why people are... People are asking, why would he do this in Louisiana? There's a lot of tax incentives for film studios because they want to create like a new a South Hollywood, like Atlanta. You know, Atlanta had a lot of that, but now they don't. Um, so that's what a lot of these places do. They give really great tax incentives for, for businesses to save money if they open their businesses there because it creates a lot of jobs as well. You know, there's going to be a lot of people employed because of this, which is cool, man. Uh, so June at Film and Television, Inc., uh, that's probably where I'm going to have to move to now. Uh, I'm just like, 50 hours me the Gary's documentary. Come on, man. Uh, that would be really cool, but I, I wouldn't mind going, Louise. That's not far. How far is it from here? I'm in Georgia. How far is it from here? Let me, let me see. I have to take a flight from Atlanta. Atlanta to Louisiana. Like, Birdman's going to be mad happy. He's going to be like, man, you, you stun an island out here. Ah, oh, shit. It's a $300 ticket. To go to New Orleans. One hour and 35 minutes. Shit. Shout out to 50, man. I'm about to be G-Unit Film Television. No, that'll be fire, though, for real. Uh, so congrats to 50. Uh, doing big things. And, uh, yeah, really cool story, man. Uh, Billboard Hot 100. Let's get into it. Christmas is dominating the charts. It's going to be dominating until Christmas is over. Rocking around the Christmas tree. Brenda Lee is at number one still. All I want for Christmas for is you. Mariah Carey, number two. Jingle Bell Rock, number three. Last Christmas, number four. Loving on Me, that industry plant song by Jack Carlos, number five. Holiday Jolly Christmas, number six. Cruel Summer, Taylor Swift, number seven. Uh, it's the Most Wonderful Time of the Year, number eight. Christmas, uh, Says Us Snooze, number nine. Paint the Town Red, Doja Cat, number ten. Bunch of Christmas songs again. Feliz Navidad. Uh, Kelly Clarkson, Under the Tree, Let It Snow, Let It Snow, Let It Snow. All these damn Christmas. When did, I don't remember last year this being like this. Maybe just people are on the holiday spirit. Uh, going down the list, I'm going to be skipping a lot. A lot of Christmas records. Just Christmas records. Uh, Christmas records all over, man. Rich Baby Daddy, Drake, number 39. First Person Shooter, Drake, number 41. Going down the list a lot because there's so much Christmas music. Usher, Good Good, number 54. I Don't Give a Fuck, Drake, Eat, number 56. Beyonce, My House, debuted at number 57. I Know Travis Scott, number 58. Little Tech of 500 Pounds, number 65. You Broke My Heart, Drake, number 66. Uh, Virginia Beach, Drake, number 78. Rod Rave, Great Gatsby, number 80. 
Mm. What else? What else we're we looking at here? Dr- Travis Scott meltdown number ninety four. Slime you out, Drake number ninety six. Rich man North, the Richmonds back up on the charts. Is number ninety nine. I thought it was gonna fall off next week. Shout out to Oliver Anthony, man. I need to check out his other music. Uh, went up to number ninety seven. That's pretty cool. Turks and Caicos Rod Wave number ninety nine. And that's it for today's episode of the Diverse Mentality Podcast. You guys already know what it is. Spotify, Deezer, Podcast, YouTube, all that. Have an amazing night, day, whenever you listen to this. And peace.